The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this week we're talking about the topic of self and no self in Buddhism. And a little bit to review these first three days that Monday I talked about the positive understanding of self, uh, of people that the early tradition has. And I didn't mention it, but there are some very clear words that correspond to the English word um, individual or person that's different than the word for self. And even though there's positive uses of the word self, um, there's also no questioning and no negating in any kind of way the idea of an individual, the idea of a person, and that the idea of a person is important and it's to be fulfilled, it's to become abundant, it's to become free, that person. And the capacity for that is really at the heart of Buddhism, the, the, the capacity for an individual to become really free. But one of the things that becomes free of is free of self. And that involves a number of things, but it involves a lot of the ways in which we're selfing, the contribution we make in our mind to construct identity, construct ideas of self, and, um, and uh, construct selfishness, construct conceit and arrogance. These are activities of the mind. And part of, that was Tuesday, and then yesterday, part of this construction is really uh, projections that uh, we project self onto things, identity onto things. So we have a thought and we project onto it, that's my thought. If it was a wonderful thought, we pat ourselves on the back. If it was a horrible thought, we feel bad about ourselves, feel embarrassed. Another option is just to have a thought and, uh, and not tie it to any kind of identity or definition of oneself. It's just a thought. And uh, it can seem second nature or inherent that we should always measure ourselves by whatever thought we have. But that's a form of selfing, a projection, a construct, that idea that every thought somehow has some bearing back on, as a reflects back on the idea of who we are. And, um, and so as we go deeper into Buddhist meditation, the activities of the mind get quieter and quieter. And so we don't, we're no longer actively um, constructing these projections or operating through them. And um, so, for example, to use a variation of an example yesterday, I'm sitting here at the IMC meditation hall, and we have a lot of cushions, meditation cushions for people to sit on. And someone could come here when we're open and... Uh, pull down one of IMC's cushions from the shelf, place it on the floor, sit down, then get up and go to the bathroom. And if they come back um, and uh, someone's sitting on their Zafu, it wasn't their Zafu before they came here, but because they claimed it for the hour, now it becomes theirs. And that's a projection. That's an idea. That uh, it's, it's a reasonable one. I mean, it's, you know, we kind of go along with little bit ideas of possession, but still it's a, it's a construct, it's an idea. So they come back and see that someone is sitting on it, and, um, and it, they associate that with all kinds of other slights they've had, and insults they've had, and harm that's been caused to them, where people weren't caring for them, or ignored them. 
and they so there's a lot of anger that arises and the anger is about me myself and mine another option is a person has sat on it for a little while and gotten very very quiet and calm go to the bathroom come back and someone is sitting on the on the on that cushion but because the mind is so calm and peaceful the person can watch thoughts of oh that's my cushion those that that thought arises and maybe feels a little bit the stress of that thought. And because it's so, so calm, the person says, wait a minute, do I really need to go down that road? Do I really need to pick up and be involved with that thought that that is my cushion? You know, it's not really mine, it belongs to IMC. And, um, and uh, there's more cushions on the shelf, there's more spaces to sit. And uh, I don't really need to get into the stress, into the activation of this all this series of things, you know, cascade of thoughts that can happen once I say it's my cushion and the person's sitting on my cushion. And so there's a freedom there to decide on what to do. And uh, and said, okay, it's not my cushion. You know, it's fine. I'll let it go and let it be. And so this idea of seeing things as not, this, this is not me, this is not personal, it becomes more and more clear, more and more an aspect of meditation practice as we go quieter and quieter and quieter. And so um, if um, you were sitting here, and sometimes all this train whistles and train sounds we hear nearby, and I'm sitting here and, um, and I hear the sound, and I can just let it be sound. Or I can make it very personal. The sound is coming into the IMC meditation hall, um, and the sound is being maybe projected onto YouTube and all these people are hearing it and they're disturbing their meditation and if they disturb their meditation then I'm not being a good teacher and in order to make a good impression I have to figure out how to get more soundproof windows. And now I've made it very personal, the story, as opposed to it's impersonal. Just, okay, I don't have to pick it up and make a self out of this experience. I can be responsible for it a little bit if I need to take care of something but um, the construct and projections of self not only is stressful in some small ways by itself, but it can very quickly escalate into all these associations and it's a magnet for our history, our memories, our past experiences, our values, our conceits, and it can become very big very quickly. So in meditation to sit and more and more appreciate that what happens as we're sitting moment by moment um, a lot of it is impersonal. This thing is not myself. So um, if uh, you're sitting there and and um, and a breeze comes through, the breeze goes over maybe the top of the hand, and um, and okay, that's not self. It's just a breeze, just sensations. If I get involved in the liking and disliking of it, that kind of begins creating more energy around the breeze. And I might believe that that's who I am, the liking and disliking, and, uh, or the pleasure and the discomfort of the breeze. But the pleasantness or unpleasant of the breeze is also just nature, pleasant and unpleasant. Turns out that the first kind of arising, appearing of liking and disliking also has a quality that's impersonal. It's just a system working and it can kind of arise off, not off, offline is right the word, but it just appears without 
a plan, without an intention for it to be. It's just kind of almost spontaneous. A system creates liking and disliking. And, um, and for a moment before latching onto it, it's just impersonal. Oh, look, there's, a, there's the experience of liking happening. And it's possible to see that experience of liking without any attribution of this is me, myself and mine, without any projection of self onto it, that activity of making it or associating with self. And for people who don't meditate and get quiet, it might seem not understandable what I'm saying because the self and selfing and taking it personal is just, is like that's who we are, of course. If it's just who we are, then it's like, how can I be different? And it's all part of it all. But as we get quieter in meditation and mindfulness gets stronger, it, um, um, we're beginning to deconstruct all the constructions we have, all the ways in which we latch onto things. So, for example, so if I have preferences, liking and disliking of the simple breeze across my, my hand, uh, uh, I could very little bit start coalesce around that. Little bit start getting involved and in believing it and holding on to it and picking it up and then thinking, well, I like this, how can I have more of it? And that coalescing around it is, can also be a little bit physical, a little more energy there, a little more pressure, coalescing tension. And that gives a sense of, oh, there's a location here. So I am the, I am the place of my location. There's a, there's a me here because of this sense of pressure or tension that's giving location to that kind of engagement with liking and disliking. And, uh, and then there's thoughts about it. Well, I like it, so now let's plan to have breeze more often. And what would it take to get a fan here at IMC? And, and what speed fan? And we have to get a quiet fan. And the mind goes off. And those also can be seen as impersonal. And it's really freeing to start doing that. Or many people, they think, therefore, they are. And, uh, and the, the energy around thinking is strong enough that, again, reinforces the idea of there's some coalesced energy, coalesced pressure, tension, uh, sensations. Oh, this is who I am. I am my thinking. And then, and then this idea of I am, that itself is a construct. That's also, believe it or not, an impersonal phenomenon. It's just a thought that arises. But by the time any of this stuff arises, there's this whole kind of construct and coalescence of ideas and associations and energies and tensions. And it all seems like a big self. This is, of course I'm here. This is me. But as we meditate, there's this deconstruction process. And we start seeing this marvelous thing that this is not me. This is not me. And the Buddha's teachings on not-self, anatta, is, a, is not a metaphysical teaching, but rather it's a teaching about um, always about something particular. And this is very important to understand. It's all about, always about something in particular particular sensation, particular perception. And it's the recognition that that particular perception is, this is not me. This is not self. So this not self is a characteristic, it's called a characteristic, lakana characteristic, that um, of things. It's always some characteristic of particular things. It's not like a generalized statement, there is no self. Um, so for example, if you cut your fingernail and have the fingernail clipping on the table in front of you, 
uh, it might be relatively easy to say, that is not myself. There's no self there. That's not who I am. That was my finger clipping. But if you look at your finger clip, fingernail on your finger, some people might make a big self, a lot of personal uh, associations, a lot of self, a lot of concerns about how it seems. It's nice, it's not nice. I have to do something with it to be nice. And there's, there's a beginning of creating of a self. Or it's possible to just look at fingernail. This is just nature growing fingernails, and it's just impersonal. Just it's just uh, this is not self in itself. So this beginning to kind of see in the particulars of experience, moment by moment, particulars of perception, how many things are not self, not self, not self. Not because you have to believe it, like it's a philosophy. You have to believe there's no self. But it becomes a little bit like looking at the finger clipping on the table. Oh, that's not me anymore. Uh, that's impersonal now. It's like outside of me. And we can see actually so much of our experience is that way, like finger clippings. Uh, not, to, not to make it diminish its value or its importance in, our, in life itself or in nature, but it begins loosening up the grip of self, loosening up the holding on of self, the associations, the constructs, the projections we have. And it's phenomenally relaxing, phenomenally freeing to do that. It's phenomenally inspiring sometimes to feel like we're in this natural world of things just arising and passing and it's nature doing its things. And to start feeling the free, the emptiness, the lack of self that's attributed, projected, made up in relationships, just breathing and being animate, being alive and feeling and sensing and experiencing the world, that that absence of the projections and the selfing and the weight and the planning and the associations and the judgments and the comparisons and all the stuff we do around the self is such a relief and it provides this wonderful experience of freedom. And that f- to know that freedom teaches us of a, about a potential, about how free we can be, how open we can be, how relaxed we can be. And then when we start getting involved in the world of projections and the selfing and taking things personally again, we can do it with a very light touch. We can do it without attachment. But rather, instead, we do it as it's needed, as it's appropriate. And when it's not appropriate and not needed, we're happy to put it down. And, the, and so we wear self uh, as lightly as we'd wear a very light shirt that may be, you know, maybe a very light coat that we take off and on as we need. So um, that's the, kind of the heart of the Buddhist teachings of not-self. Um, I hope that you have some taste of not living in a world of the constructed self, projected self. Thank you.